now, Brandon Thickboy Shaw. One of the reasons I wanted you on the show, I wanted your opinions. You know, I, you know, you're my favorite person to talk to about this stuff. When it comes to, uh, when it comes to the PFL, I'm not being a hater. And, and I'm getting a lot of pushback on this. And they're like, oh, you're just pushing, you know, the UFC, you know, boat there. And you're just riding on Dana's coattails. I, I'm not. I'm As a businessman, nowhere near to the level of Dana White. But as a businessman, if I take out my bias towards, I love uh, Francis. Absolutely great dude. We've had him on the show. Amazing. His agent, Markel, did wonders for him. When I look at the deal, I go, well, this is a great deal for Francis. This is a terrible deal for the PFL. And I can see why Dana decided not to make the deal because, again, take out, let's say you didn't know Francis. Take out whatever admiration you have for Francis. He's 36 years old, coming off a, a, a major knee surgery. Yep. He's never been a big pay-per-view star. Never been a big pay-per-view star. And also, he's not that active, whether it's the UFC's issue or Francis, doesn't matter. The point is, he's not that active. So it's kind of like, yeah, we can let this guy go. And then also, you know, the contract came out. I think Nick Six said this. They offered him $8 million to fight John Jones. That makes sense. $8 mil, and that makes all the sense. That fight's going to do gangbuster numbers. Sure. Then after, sure. And does is he... Is he favorable to win that fight? Absolutely not. So the chances are, the odds are, he's going to lose that fight. Then after that, you have Sergey waiting for him. You have the Almeida monster out there who would be a rough matchup. So I'm with the UFC on this. I'm like, we're good, man. And when I look at the deal and people give me pushback, it's like, Francis did his thing. We've never seen a deal like this. That's amazing. Good for him. I don't think it's going to work out, and history would be on my side. I don't see how PFL is going to bring on the talent to sell a pay-per-view, which they've never had a successful pay-per-view model. And I'm not being a hater. I hope it works out. I just don't see it. Name a matchup that you can give me right now that the PFL could sign at free agent that you're going to pay whatever $59.99 for. I don't see it. And and let me tell you, Scott Coker's uh, Bellator – it was it was Mike Kogan representing uh, Scott Coker Bellator. They they went on they met with Francis. They went to Las Vegas. They had lunch with him. And Kogan even said, "Look, I didn't want this guy to ruin my dinner, so I, I booked him for lunch. It was on Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> they go out and they sit down, and for twenty five minutes, Francis just spoke. And Kogan really liked him. He really liked him. So he was a real peaceful guy, um, had a real good sense. But he just said, Francis, for the numbers that you're talking, you're going to need a pay per view model." And he said, so I'm not going to waste your time and we won't let you waste ours. We're not going to give you an offer. And, and Bellator never did put an offer forward for Francis. Once they heard him, they just realized this isn't going to work. And then Kogan tried to to smarten Francis up and just say, look, people can't figure out why their pay-per-views don't work. And they even used Bellator as an example. Told them everything that they did, everything they put behind them. They, they, they had Fedor and throw myself in there and, and Phil Davis and, uh, you know, Mitrione and, uh, you know, Bader and Aaron Pico really put a good card together, went to Madison Square Garden, got $15 million infused by Paramount. And Kogan shares these numbers with him. He yeah. told him that. And he said, we never went back to pay-per-view. And he said, the one thing the pay-per-view needs, you have to have time. You cannot come in on a one-off. You can't do like Tito and Chuck. And when Tito and Chuck bombed, that didn't mean that Golden Boy was going to bomb. It just, you just, But you got to start. 
The UFC already did that. They've already started. They've got a successful model. Now, I only share that with you because he was just trying to let him know for these numbers and for what you want to achieve, you need to make up with the UFC and you need to go back. And that was what he left him with. So Bellator actually told him, hey, go, go sign with these guys. They're treating you pretty good. I bring that to you because um, a myth that is always made by fighters, always, is I am the best. I am the best and I'll make your show better. And when I tell you they miss that, what a promoter is going to buy is for sure what makes my show better, but they'll also pay to not let somebody else's show be very good. Yep. So, so what I'm saying is Bellator would want to take Francis, but they would want him more so that the UFC couldn't have him just by example. So if you're Francis and you're coming off the shell, to your point, I don't know that he's 37 years old. I know he's at least 37 years old. I don't know how good those records are. I truly do mean that. And then he's got the knee injury. Yep. And those things aren't great. But if you find out that he's going to sit for another year, he's not going to go out there. You now aren't paying for the second thing a guy will pay for, which is to stop somebody else's product. If he's not on anybody's channel, I'm good with that. Right. And that's the one thing that Francis and everybody else misses. If I'd like him on my channel, if he's going to be on one of yours, if he's not going to be on any of yours, we're all good. Yep. It's why St. Pierre, who retired, doesn't start to get a whole bunch of offers. People are fine. As big of a star as he was, if you're not going on anyone's network, we're good. Let's move on to the next one. That's a missing point. I hope I said that clearly, but it, no, it was did. something that was a little odd within Francis. You know, if you're the PFL, you're going to go out and buy something. Like, by example, PFL has never got featured on uh, the ESPN does something called the car wash, but it's where they run you out there. You go yeah. from one station to the next, one show to the next. This is a really great thing. They've never got that. If they could get a car wash, that's worth something. Maybe even a million dollars, believe it or not. Francis can't do that. This isn't breaking news. They didn't break into Sports Center. Jim Rome didn't stop what he was doing. You didn't stop what you're doing. Here we are two weeks late doing it. Dan Lebitard didn't invite him on. It was one of these things where, hey, guys, what exactly are you buying? I'm very open to it, Great. and I would like you to win. But what are you buying? And I love the point that you made. I'm sure to be worried on, worried on this, but to go back to what you said, you talked about he wasn't a big pay-per-view draw. He fought Surreal Gone. Now, that is the single greatest storyline in heavyweight championship history. They both had a belt, right? This is Hogan versus Warrior as they walk out there. Everything's great. They used to be training partners. There was a split up. They were countrymen. Uh, this coach stayed with Surreal, knew the secrets of Francis. You're not going to beat that. And they bombed. They fell flat on their face. They didn't even talk about rematching that or they got done with that and they turned and ran. And I just bring it to you because I don't know what's next for Francis, but I guarantee it won't be as big and it won't be as juicy as Surreal, which bombed. Agree. Yeah. It, it, and that's my whole point. It's again, I'm not discrediting France, what he got done. It's great. All I'm saying as a business with the UFC, I can see how they're like, we're good. We're good. You're making all these crazy demands. We're good. We want to do the John Jones fight. That's where we're going to make our money. But after that, it gets dicey for you. And I think for Francis, for him to label this a success, the PFL thing's a, a whole nother issue that they're going to have to figure out and there's no stars to sign to sell that pay-per-view. And to your point, they're not known as a pay-per-view model. So that's another hill they have to climb. The, I think for Francis to say, look, look, UFC, I made the right decision. He has to get that big boxing fight. And there's absolutely no momentum that proves that that's going to come out because they're basically paying him now to, I guess, train for boxing. If he's not fine till next year, so I guess he's focused on boxing right now. And Anthony or Anthony Joshua came out and was like, ah, I'm not going to do that circus act. I'm, I'm out, man. Fury, you know, he wants the Usyk fight. 
That's what he like. That's what his goal is. He has another fire to put out with that. So he's not focused on Francis. Deontay Wilder, we haven't heard much. It seemed like the Deontay Wilder was going to be the closest one who's going to maybe take a, a bite of that and jump into the Francis pool. But there's no, there's again, there's no smoke there. There's no smoke. Sure. And Eddie Hearn is, you know, he's a promoter and a businessman, but for the most part, he really does have a history of being pretty straight with you. He yeah. really doesn't say things just yeah, for clickbait. According to Eddie Hearn, you you got you got Tyson, uh, Tyson and, and Usyk are tied up, but you've also got Joshua and Wilder. They're going to go over to the Middle East and do that card. I, I personally believe that only because Eddie said it, and he said it a couple of times, not to mention he wasn't looking to to promote it. He was just going to manage, and that's how he's going to make his piece. I just believed it. And, and I only say that because Wilder – did make a commitment to Francis online. It was through Twitter, but he never looked like he was going to follow up on that. And so I, you know, I have sat here and wondered, Hey, is Francis playing this right? Does Francis have the next big hand is Francis versus Wilder, a big match. Like, you know, Connor and Mayweather, first off, didn't do near the business that they claimed that it did. But secondly, um, it wasn't just Connor. It, it was a simultaneous two division UFC champion with, Dana White being a carnival barker in his corner. Correct. And this is wildly different. Francis is the UFC champion fighting Tyson. It's very different. Just by example, I'll say Tyson. It's very different than Francis, the former UFC champion who's 37 years old at least and coming off a knee injury fighting Tyson in a sport that they just made up the rules because he's never done it before. I mean, it starts to get weird, dude. It starts to get weird fast. And I I would ask you this, Chael, if when Francis was sitting down with Dana – if someone before he went into that office and met with Dana, if someone went to Francis, hey man, the Tyson Fury thing probably not going to happen. the The big boxing thing, it's not looking good. Let's hope, but it is a long shot, dude. Have fun, you know. Now, sure. now go negotiate. I wonder sure. if Francis knew going into his negotiations with Dana, if he knew that this boxing fight wasn't going to happen, come to fruition, if he would have had a different kind of attitude going into that meeting. Yeah. Yeah, Brenda, and vice versa. What, what if Dana knew it wasn't going to happen? I, I think, mm, and yeah. I, I got I to use the word think, I'm only as good as the information I've read online. But I think that all Francis wanted was a carve out. I don't think he told Dana and Hunter, hey, you have to get me. Fit. No, I don't think they were involved. I think he just wanted a carve out. If I have an opportunity to do this, and Fury himself says that, you know, he's going to choose me. They brought me over to England. There was 93,000 people. We seem to get a good reception. If I have that opportunity, I got to take it. Can we all agree? And can we actually write that down? They might have done it, but man, it, it, it kind of felt like, like for a while something was going to happen. I mean, again, Tyson Fury said himself, they got Francis there. They put him, you know, before they faded to black and rolled the credit yeah. right there on ESPN whose partners with Dana and something else, they kept a secret from Dana. It looked like they were going to go out and do something here. And then they even were talking about uh, playing the same venue that the Raiders play and coming out to Vegas. I mean, there was some real talk. I'll tell you one thing I was surprised about, Brennan, it was what little power Tyson Fury had. I would have thought in that space, if Tyson Fury promises 93,000 live people and says, I want this guy, that he could have talked to Eddie, that he could have got this done. I was a little bit surprised how quick they blew that off. And and I got to make the same point because Deontay Wilder does seem like a reasonable uh, prospect or chance for Francis. Only in that, much like Tyson, he's personally spoken and said that he would do it. The other side of that, he's in the same territory. Wilder went and became a free agent. Now, he thought all the promoters would look at that and go, how cool was that? He left this guy now, but that's not how they look at it. They go back to what I was telling you at the very beginning. 
I would like you because you make my product better. But if nobody has you, you're not on any, we're good we're because winning, this yeah. is competition, right? Yeah. I don't need to be uh, better than I used to be. I just got to be better than you yep. each time. So it's it's really one of those spots. And I, I think it was a miss by Deontay. Let's take a little break from chatting with my absolute favorite, Chael Sohn, and coming with some heat. A uh, few tour dates, and we'll get right back to the episode. I'm in La Jolla, the comedy store right outside San Diego. That is June 2nd through the 4th. That's two shows Friday, two shows Saturday, one show Sunday. Your boy's working on the Lord's Day. That's in La Jolla, California, the comedy store. Again, right outside San Diego, so come get you some of my favorite venues. And then after that, the tour really ramps up because your boy's jumping across the pond. Uh, this is a theater run, one show in every city in a theater. June 15th, I start in Belfast, United Kingdom, Belfast. Then I'm in Glasgow. Then I'm in Manchester, June 18th. June 22nd, I'm in London. June 23rd, Cardiff. And then I end the Europe tour in my fave, Dublin, Ireland, June 25th. Come get you some. All right. This episode of One on One with B Shop with Chael Sonnen is brought to you by Coldra Lab. That's right. Say goodbye to the generic face wash on your counter because Coldra Lab is here to save the day when it comes to your skin. Backed by a leading clinical trial where nine out of ten bros experience healthier and visible improved skin. Your boys looking at my skin is popping. I love their eye cream. I put it under the bags on my eyes. They look like nuts, whatever. All right. So if you use code SHOB at Cauldron Lab, that's C A L D E R A lab.com for 20% off their best products. Cauldron Lab creates high performance men's skincare products by combining pharmaceutical grade science along with nature's purest and most potent ingredients. Kicking off their skincare selection, they have all sorts. They have the bundle. Inside this bundle, you get the clean slate, the base layer, and the good. The clean slate is where you start your day. It's balancing cleanser that uses gentle plant-based cleansing, leaving all skin types looking pretty fresh. The base layer is a nutrient-dense, fortifying moisturizer that hydrates your skin, absorbs fast, leaving you with a matte finish so you don't look all juicy on your face. The good is that go-to night-before-bed clinical-proven multifunctional serum that helps your skin look tighter and smoother. So get you some, man. Get rid of those crow's feet, the wrinkles all over your face. We got you covered, man. All right? So get 20% off with the code SHOB at cauldredlab.com. That's C-A-L-D-E-R alab.com that's swims off at calderlab.com by using the code shab s-e-h-a-u-b unlock your youthful glow and be ready for the summer with calder lab now let's get back to talking to my friend chael sonin agree i think uh, uh the other point nobody's talking about and it came out how much money the ufc made last year you know i think uh in you know what they made over 200 million profit this is probably paid all the employees the venues everything that they're involved in you're talking about over 200 million profit in a calendar year, which is the most any combat sports organizations ever made. Boxing, MMA, whatever. It's the most money any company's ever made in the history of fighting. So when I see that, there is something to it where it's like they could they could if they if they really wanted that fight to happen or any fights happen for that matter, they have the money to do it. And you're looking at they're paying out the fighters about a 13%, you know, out of out of that profit. So can they pay fighters more? Absolutely. It, could they could they make the Francis Tyson Fury fight happen if they truly want to? Absolutely. Could we have gotten the John Jones Francis fight a year ago? Absolutely. They have the money to do it. 
they're just not willing to play that game. I don't think they want to set that standard and then have to fork over whatever comparable to MLB or NBA 50% of their profits. And again, do I wish do if I'm Dana, do, do I wish Dana would pay the fighters more? Absolutely. That'd be great. But again, as a business, if I'm Dana, I'm doing it exactly how he's doing it. I'm going, why? Where else are you guys going to go? What are you going to do? I'm, I'm the iPhone of fighting. Go, go, yep. over to, go over to Cricket Wireless. Go over to freaking, you know, who, whoever else is running the same scheme. Go over to Android phones. I mean, how it goes for you. It ain't Apple, so we don't have to make a change. Yep. No, and I really appreciate you saying that, uh, Brandon. That was that was probably hard for you because that was kind of a compliment uh, to Dana. That was that was probably a little bit painful. But I got to tell you, I really appreciate that you said it because I read that same article you're talking about, and they were doing a juxtaposition to fighter pay versus revenue. And in all fairness, fighter pay didn't go down. It it wanted you to believe it went down. It didn't actually go down. The fighters were each making more. Revenues got so big, yeah. And the pandemic ended up being great. For business, for the UFC, who would have predicted that? I mean, we've always been led to believe that they're in the live gate and pay-per-view business. They don't win an entire year without a single person, no live gate at all. We've always thought it was live gate and pay-per-view, no live gate at all. And he turns in higher revenues than he ever did before. So we need to start learning, okay, there's a different game being played here. But as we talk about that, Dana's learning that too. When Dana was a street kid from Boston and he got in the business, he thought he needed people to show up and buy a live ticket. He needed people to watch a closed caption from their living room. That's what he thought. He didn't know this was a sponsorship game. He didn't know this was video games. You know, he just didn't understand there was rights, buys, and television deals, something out there called digital. That didn't exist when he started in 2001. So as the revenues got big, I mean, I, I thought that article was very unfair because it tried to lead you to believe that they were paying less. And that's not what happened. They they made more. Matt Mitrione taught me something years ago. Matt Mitrione was one of the few guys that when he got to deal in the UFC, he got in front of Lorenzo. Not many people did. Yep. Why Matt Mitrione did, I don't know. Lorenzo had a few, though, like he, Dan Hardy. I mean, he had a few guys that were real close to him. I love might Lorenzo. Surprise you. I yeah, love Lorenzo. Was a, yeah, was a close one. But Mitrione sat with him and he said, I want a half a million dollar signing bonus. <laughs> and Lorenzo said, you know, what, what, what are you talking about, Matt? That, that's bigger than your whole contract. And Matt said, no. A signing bonus, and he, and he explained from the NFL standpoint, Mitrione said, no, it's not It's not moving forward. It's this moving forward. He said, the signing bonus is, is for you to make up for what happened over here. For, for, for the five fights that I've already done that were a little bit short, business got good, houses filled up. That's what this signing bonus is for. And Lorenzo listened to that. And I don't think they came to that number, but they came to a pretty good number. And all, Lorenzo also told him, hey, I, I want to know the football model. My son's got aspirations of football. His son was playing at uh, Notre Dame at the time. Lorenzo said, I didn't know that that's what it's done. And so anyway, I'm just saying that Mitch Room kind of set something and everybody yeah. learned a little bit. Yeah. And, and there seems to be when we do learn in this business, they want to write an article and hold it against Dana. It's like, man, I learned something. We brought in some good revenues. What do you want me to do? The world changed. They took all my gate away, but I found a way. Good I, for me. I agree. And I think the the really the message should be, what a badass Dana White is when every every other sport, every other corporation shutting down and Dana goes, I'm going to figure out how to keep this business rolling. I don't know how I'm going to do it. And then he gets this feather up his ass and goes, oh, I'm going to do it in the Middle East. I'm going to go over to Dubai, where the hell they did it. I'm going to do it there. People are like, you're out of your mind. Fight Island. And this thing's a major success. And then he has the balls to go, all right, it, uh, 
we're coming back to America because we're kind of opening up. I'm going to do it just at the Apex Center. So we don't have to move the whole circus. We'll just do it here. This is easy. We don't have to pay for all the hotels and all that stuff. We own all this. We'll do it here. It, you know, uh, you got to give him his flowers, man. You ha- I, I don't, sure. it's not enough of that's out there because he is who he is. And he, you know, he, he does do some outlandish things, but as far as the business goes, you got to give it up to him, man. And that article, I agree. It was kind of more of a hit piece, like, but if th- there's some things where you look at it, go, man, that guy knows what the hell he's doing when it comes to this fight business. Yeah. Hey, I love what you just said talking about the business there, because this is another side that this, the 32 year old street kid from Boston had no idea about. And that is these travel advisories. Every state has it. The whole reason the UFC doesn't go to Hawaii is Hawaii has a tourism board and commission and the UFC wants $6 million to come. Brendan, nobody knew that was a thing. I did not know that you could get paid by a state to come. I thought you went there, had the state regulate, you gave them 6%. And it's a fascinating thing because what Dana was able to work out in the Middle East and fight island, he secures an island, but they paid him to come. Yeah, and they justified it. They, they it was a lot of advertisements. You, you watched it. You really wanted to go to Dubai. You realized what a beautiful place it was. I mean, there was a trade here, but that was just a side of the business that nobody even knew existed. I think that that includes Dana until he got in that situation, had to look around. And by the way, you bring up the apex. If I, if I took over the UFC on my first day, I'm going to tell the CEO, you need to prove to me why we go on the road. I want to see financially why yeah, we go on the road. I know and people talk about, well, this is how you build a market. This is how you grow. So that could be true, but I know that the Patriots didn't have to do that to sell out their arena. I know Saturday Night Live, which is the biggest, longest standing show in the world, has never left New York. I, I'm not really sure that I'm convinced that you have to move physically around. You can just bring those people. Well, if I want an Asian market, I got to go to Asia. No, you just need to bring in an Asian guy and then tell the market. Yes. I think, I think this is what I would argue. So I really like the way the business has been done lately. I like the idea that there's a set arena i like the way that they do the apex and people are comfortable and know their way around and i don't mind watching it on tv either yeah, i mean i gotta remind you the apex is where we saw steve versus dc part three and correct. that was great my, my only pushback on the apex is if we're gonna go towards that business model and you're gonna have like this home field out based of if ufc's home base is out of vegas which it is and you're gonna go that route let's let's build it like the Raiders stadium make it freaking phenomenal because they could sell that bad boy out like you put on the right fights i mean you're, you're talking there's no off season dude so think if you oh, yeah. told the nfl hey every sunday or once once a month you can basically have the super bowl every freaking month and it's gonna be in the same location dude it, I mean, it, it'd be insane. My, my only pushback with the Apex, I know for the fighters, a lot of them, it's not, it doesn't feel as special. You know, the crowd's smaller. You know, it, it's not as nice. You're not getting the bells and whistles, the press conferences, stuff like that. But I think for the UFC, I love it. Let's do it here. Have your home field there. But you got to build that thing out. Just not, sure. the, the Apex is nice, but it's not Mass Square Garden. You know, it's not, yeah. you know, Staples Center. Yeah. Oh, I, I fully agree with that. Um, they've even gone back to Vegas. They just did this about a month ago, but they went to the Hard Rock. Yeah, I And like it that. was kind of a head scratch. We're going, wait a minute, why did you rent the Apex? And I think the answer was yes, they rented the Apex yeah. out, but it was seemed like, well, why did you rent it out? If you're, I mean, it was just, the whole thing was just interesting. I would like to know the backstory. I find that stuff I fascinating. Think, I think it was the Slap Fight League. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they were booked up with the Slap Fight League. And listen, for all the great things Dan has done, we can't just, you know, jack him off on here. I got to give him a little pushback. That Slap Fight League, when I look at that, I'm like, oh, he's bored. 
He's just bored. <laughs> this is like, he's just bored with fighting at this point. Like, you know, damn well, that's not, that's not good, dude. And then when he has to defend himself, like what well, crushes on TikTok, I'm like, soda beheadings from ISIS, dude. Like you want to start that business? Like there's a reason why just because it goes viral on TikTok doesn't mean it's going to be a business on TV. And he learned that the hard way. But what I do love about him is it's very Trumpish. where once he's in, he's going to fight tooth and nail. There's no going back. And I appreciate it. Like he just doubles down on it. You're like, these guys are real athletes. I'm like, bro, I just saw a guy weigh in at over 400 pounds and eat a Snickers on the weighing scale, bro. Quit pushing this narrative, but he just does it. And I, I enjoy it. It's funny to me. I do too. I'm with you. And I thought this, I thought he was fooling when he started with this. <laughs> I thought he was fooling around and he started giving numbers though. Right. I mean, uh, fighters lie and promoters lie, but numbers don't lie. And their numbers on TikTok are insanely successful. And I will tell you, that's where I've seen most of it. I, I didn't know there was multiple leagues and apparently there's one in Russia. There's two or three here in the States. Tim Sylvia just did a slap fight. I assume that was Dana's. So I'm just finding out. No, no, there's a whole bunch of promoters and a whole bunch of yes. people doing it. Okay, fine. My only, my only point to you, Brendan, is that's where I watch. I I watched on TikTok in in eight to fifteen seconds at a time. I have enjoyed it on there. I enjoy the comments. It's quick and I move through. I don't know that I'd want to sit and watch a whole uh, television show of it, and and I haven't yet. But I'm mean, only bring it to you that. He is exploding on TikTok. I don't know who that market is or where in the world all Young those viewers kids. come from, but when Dana says how big they are over there, he's he's not lying. It's true. They're huge on TikTok. Yeah, no, he's not lying. It's just I don't think you can take a 15-second clip and turn to an – like you don't want – listen, like I'll watch 15 seconds of an anaconda, anaconda eating an alligator. I don't watch a 60-minute show – of anacondas eating alligators you know what i'm saying like i i, I tuned in because it was just a complete shit show i tuned in for i think four episodes and then because my 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 wife joe she was laughing at she's like this is real she's like this is an actual show i'm like yeah and so every wednesday we'd watch and laugh our asses off and then after about four episodes she's like i think i'm good i'm good on the slap fight league i was like yeah i get it well, and hey, what about them getting hit? I mean, the commission comes in. I, the commission, I think, got more slappers than they got PFL, and they got a whole roster of, of PFL guys. I thought that was interesting, though, for a completely different regard. I mean, when's the last time we've heard of the Nevada, Nevada State Athletic Commission flagging an athlete for being dirty? And largely because USADA stepped in, we act as though that's just USADA's thing now. But the commission's budget has not gone down. Neither has their regulations nor their rules. They are supposed to be testing just as many people, but you don't ever hear of it. Never. So I, I did think there was a little bit of a, you, know, you turn your head and go, okay, slap and PFL got hit. Meanwhile, Conor McGregor with rumors is in your state right now doing the ultimate fighter. I mean, Keith Kaiser tested this and made it very clear. You have the right to test an athlete, not once he's licensed. You have the right to test an athletes once a fight is announced. And they announced Conor McGregor versus Chandler. We've got all these rumors that McGregor was there in Nevada. They can't leave the state line, but they could test him anytime they wanted, and they didn't. Yeah, and but that's just a dangerous game. I, you, I, you would not come there if you were, in fact, I mean, it was a really weird thing. And they should have gone in and tested him. Either cleared the rumors and cleared Conor's name or go the other way. But they should have tested him. They had the right to test him. They chose to not test him. That's selective testing. That's a problem for me if I'm the PFL. If I'm the PFL, you got a big problem, guys. You yeah, chose big to problem, do guys. me and you didn't do them. 
first of all, I'll get to the Connor stuff, but with with the PFL, why are we testing these guys? I want them on meth and steroids if I want to see them slap each other. Like the more the merrier. I assume they're all on cocaine. Why do you test them? They're in rash guards with tits, right? But with Connor, they they were smart because they never they they announced it, but they there's no date, so there's no official announcement. And I think that's the the brilliant uh, game planning of the UFC brass going. Let's announce it, but leave it open. Let's leave it open because, to your point, if we do give a date, the commission's going to come sniffing around. Sure. That's, that's why they did it. It's brilliant. I think the fight that's happens. You're right. That is brilliant. I never saw it until you just set it down right now. That That's a really good point, and maybe that is uh, maybe that is why they did it. Quite frankly, when Keith Kaiser did this, had this gone to court, I don't think Keith would have won. If you're not licensed, I don't think you have the right. But Vandalay. Vandalay and I both, or I went down, but Vandalay got a lifetime ban. He got, I mean, he never could fight in the UFC again. It ended up being a four-year ban. Um, he was able to compete again, but it was a different organization, Bellator. Just to remind you of that story, though. So, out of competition testing, USADA. We all know what those things are now, Brendan, but Vandalay and I were the first ones ever tested. We did not know USADA was involved, and we didn't know what out of competition testing was. Like, those words were things that didn't exist within our space. Yeah. So, they go to Vandalay's gym. And they want him to present himself, right? Usada watches you. They want him to present himself naked and pee into a cup. And Vandalay's going, but I don't know who you are. And Vandalay didn't have a license. Uh, and the guy says, why well, with Usada? He gives him paperwork, wants him to sign it, and then present his naked self. And Vandalay said, no. He said, wait till my attorney gets down here. And Vandalay had to go. Now, where he had to go was to be on uh, TV with Fox at the time to come into our press conference. So he did. That's where he went. So they said he fleed. It's like, mm. well, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know that you flee your gym to go to the UFC where absolutely everybody is. And that's what he did. He said, I don't understand. You talk to my attorney. I'm not doing this. He came to the press conference. They said he ran and refused to test. They gave him a four-year ban. And, you know, Vandalay got so mad, he was screaming and yelling. He started putting out these rock and roll videos. But if he would have just stayed calm and explained that story, I don't think that that would have held up. And I only say that to you because if the commission was to go to Connor and Connor was to say, it's not announced, you don't have the right. Or he was to say, I'm not licensed, you don't have the right. It's the same thing that Vandalay did. That's I mean, right. a no yeah. is a no. Yeah. And they gave him a four-year ban for refusing the test. And this is before we'd even heard what Usad or up out of competition. It was a very, very strange thing. Uh, I don't think Vandalay should have been punished for it. I think if he would have stayed calm and told the story that I just told you, he wouldn't have been punished That's for it. But. Point. It's just an it's it's just an interesting point. You remember the time that the UFC they did an entire heavyweight card. All five of the uh, main card fights were going to be heavyweights. So they make this announcement. They hold the press conference. Kaiser comes in and tests everybody there. Overeem hits the back, gets in the car, and leaves. <laughs> they call him. They have him come back, and that was and Reem got flagged on that. But Reem had a pretty good point, which is, man, I'm. I, I'm not with you guys, and and that's where Kaiser said, nope. If a fight is announced and you're in my state line. I've got the right, and they let they let that hold. Boy, yeah, you guys had, especially you, Vanderlei, Overeem, God bless you, man. You guys had to learn the hard way, unfortunately. You know, hopefully fighters learn from it today, which I think Connor's playing the game. I think that what makes Connor pretty damn special is his IQ with this the, the business side and the fight side. Speaking of Connor, did you see the documentary? No, I heard all about it. I look forward to seeing it, but no, I haven't. I haven't seen it yet. Man, it's good. It is so good. I, I was saying how I watched it, 
and it, I got I got sad. I got sad at the end because I don't think we'll ever see that again. Not in my lifetime. Of just that it was the perfect timing. We haven't seen it before. Now we, you know, we'll see guys, you know, take on these huge boxing fights, and you it started the whole Jake Paul and Logan Paul thing. Like all that comes out of connor's ability to dream so damn big to fight floyd mayweather so now it's it's common that when these boxing fights get announced like yeah whatever we've seen it but at connor at the time it was unheard of man and his come up and you're watching it and i think the other takeaway on that show is you actually you see connor and you don't think he takes the game that serious you know because he does all these antics and you find out about all outside the octagon um issues he's having and that's kind of overshadowed what he represented when he was coming up. And when you watch him, you see how much he cares after the Khabib fight and Dana's coming in. And uh, this is the other takeaway too. You see that Connor is not just a employee. He's just not a fighter. You see, they are partners. The way he talks to Dana, I went, Oh wow. I've never seen that. Cause Dana comes in the locker room after he loses Khabib. And that remember Khabib jumps into the stands, goes for Dylan Dennis. It's chaos. And Connor's there and his family's there and he, he, his head's down and he's crying. And Dana goes, man, what happened? Can you believe Khabib jumped off? And Connor looks at him and goes, I don't give a shit about any of that, dude. I lost, man. And he goes, no, dude, was it Dylan? And Connor goes, you're not listening. I do not care about that, dude. I lost. The better man won. All that stuff is bullshit. I don't care about what just happened. I care yeah. about I lost the fight, Dana. And you can wow. see Dana's like, oh, okay. I'm like, man, I've never seen a, ever in my life someone speak to Dana that way. Not disrespectful, like a, like a, you know, like a, like their partners. Sure. sure. It, was, it was fascinating, man. That's really interesting. And I did see the piece that you made on that where you said, hey, I don't know if we'll see this again in our lifetime. And, and I also did feel a little something because that was nostalgia. Man, the stuff that Conor McGregor did, come on. He walks into Madison Square Garden the first time ever, $17.2 million gate. Puts his hands behind his back against Eddie Alvarez. Mm. One of the meanest, nastiest guys ever. I mean, there was some really special stuff uh, done by McGregor. You, you made a point, though, Brendan. It kind of ties into what we were talking about earlier with Ngana. You were talking about, you were talking about uh, Connor and that perhaps he's playing a game. And where that becomes really relevant and how it ties back into Francis. If the UFC would have got that deal done with Francis, that would have been a very slippery slope. Because now they would have shown the world go out, hold out, right? Get the championship and hold it. You're going to have a very hard time getting anybody to not copy that model, particularly if the numbers come out. I mean, we, we were advertised that he was talking about Francis being offered $8 million to show. The biggest show that I personally am aware of is uh, Brock Lesnar's at 5.5. Yep. So I'm just saying it would have been a real lesson. And, and while I say that, though, you look at John Jones now. I mean, Dana's time. You know, this is the savior, and he's done such a great job. And I love working with John. John just got done doing to Dana what Francis is currently doing <laughs> yeah, to him. Yeah. He took his ball. He went home. He threw the belt out there. He said, "To hell with all of you. You're going to pay me more." He went to the public. He went to the media. He, he they induct him into the Hall of Fame. He uses their cameras in the Hall of Fame time to tell the world Dana wants me back. He's going to have to add some zeros to the check. That stuff can really come back and bite you. It, it can really set a a a bad or weird example and and i only offer that because if that is in fact what connor's doing now darren till has openly said that's what i'm doing i got a knee injury i'm going to take stuff i'm getting out of the pool people are speculating dillashaw is doing that they're wrong dillashaw's not coming back Agree. but my point is 
if one guy does it, or even if if he faints it, if the rumor and belief that a guy is doing it, it can really catch on. It can be a domino effect, and you got to stop that stuff, man. And, you got to stop it right away. Agree, hundred percent. And Dana does to your point. Doesn't that's a great point. Dana does want to set that as the standard, like. Oh, in order to get things done, this is how you do it. So this is why a lot of time people give them so much pushback, but they're protecting the only thing they care about, which is the UFC brand. No fighter is bigger than the brand. The only one that's gotten even close and might might have accomplished that, again, to the point we're never going to see it again, is Conor McGregor. He's the one guy I've, I've only seen in my lifetime of watching a million fights, the, the one guy who is bigger than the brand. And, and I'll tell you what, I mean, th this all ties back in again. Yeah, John Jones and Connor are about to cross paths. One of my favorite guys is Stipe. And I don't know Stipe terribly well, but I respect Stipe. I mean, that is a first responder. That is a real-life action hero. Like, mm -hmm. like guys that they put in comic books that are firemen, but he's also the badass. Oh, and by the way, he's got the beautiful wife and loves his kids. Like, that's not real. It's made up. No, it is real. His name's Stipe Miocic. He lives in Cleveland, right? I mean, it's one of these really cool things. And I preface it with that because I like to say, speak nicely of Stipe. There's something going on here, okay? We are told that Stipe and Jones are reserved for the main event in November at Madison Square Garden. We have been told that Correct. to the point that Pavlich and, and, and Aspinall and everybody else isn't even asking for title shots. They're standing back. No one's calling out Jones. Jones isn't going after anyone else. That's what we're told. And we were also told that those two were going to fight on the, uh, December 10th of last year. We were also told that they were going to fight on March 4th of this year. Now we're being told it's going to be November. Okay, great. The problem is this. Conor McGregor is set to enter the pool on June 1st, which is in about a week. He then, according to Usada, had to do six months. That lines him up perfectly to roll in and do the Madison Square Garden card, which is now being rumored. So if Conor's going to come in and bump your main event, which is your heavyweights, and then let's say that doesn't happen, so you bring them back. But now, now you've made it obvious. Now you've made your heavyweight championship at the, the the Mecca. You've made it an afterthought. So now there's a new report that came out. We're going to do a huge show in November, but we're also going to do a huge show in December, which we would think would allow for both of those main events to take place. But it, it is one of these really interesting situations. Usada says Connor needs 180 days. Usada's wrong. If that ever gets tested, Usada's wrong. There is exemptions for Connor, and McGregor says I'm taking one of those exemptions. Dana's saying we've got the date set. I haven't revealed it, but we have it set, and I'll reveal it through the Ultimate Fighter. And Usada said he's not in the pool yet. So all of those things can't be true. And that's the fight that I've been waiting to see. McGregor versus Usada, that's the fight that I really want to see. But Usada's not going to like how this one turns out. No, they better read their own paperwork. I agree. When you say the what do, do we know what the exemption entails exactly? What, what The exemption would mean what? Like I'm sure there has to be some sort of regulatory testing. It's not like you can't. They can't give an exemption. He just doesn't get tested, right? Would it be an exemption where we announce the date, or whatever, in December, and he we start testing? No, is the exemption say all right? Well, we're not. We're going to bypass the 180 days. Is that the exemption? And so this is where the debate comes in. This is where Usada looks at one clause that says it's a retirement clause, meaning if you leave the pool, we don't want you to go on a steroid holiday. That's a quote by them. So we're going to bring you back. And we're going to keep you in there a while. Normally it's two months, but if you retire and come back, we need you for six months to make sure in case you got something, you got it out of your system, but the effects and the residuals are still there. Like you got a picogram or something. So he's going to stay in there for six months. It's the USADA rule. That's the clause that they're turning to. There's another clause. 
that says in extenuating circumstance, the organization can bypass the entire protocol. And let me give me an example of when that happens. <clears throat> we're, we're in New York. It's the week of a show. A main card match falls through. So we grab Chris Weidman, who happens to live there and can get over and get his paperwork mm. done. We don't have time to test him. Or moreover, not a Chris Weidman, a guy that's never debuted in the UFC. He's not even in. He gets his contract on Tuesday. He gets on a plane Tuesday night. He's in front of the commission Thursday. He's, he's on the scale Friday. He's in the ring Saturday. When you're doing situations like that, they've got to be able to just bring you in. So most guys that are debuting in the UFC have never been tested. They're just too new. And so the UFC, they put that clause in. And so that's what Connor's turning to. And the intent of that clause is for what I just described. Somebody that was undiscovered, a last minute, a replacement. That's the intent of the clause, but it's not what it says. Oof. It says that there are exemptions that can be granted by the promotion. This was a fight. Usada did not want to give them that. And the UFC would not buckle. And they did give them that. Wow. And do you, what kind of pushback do you think we see from just the common fan base if Connor gets that exemption? Do you think yeah, it affects well, it, him in a it, negative way? Because to be completely honest, I don't give a shit. Get, have right. him fight. I don't care what it is. Right. I don't care. I just want to yeah. see him fight. I fully agree with that. And I'll just give you, I'll give you an example. But Bob Bennett, when he was running the commission, Travis Taggart, who was running USADA, Bob Bennett tested and flagged Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather failed a test according mm. to the Nevada State Athletic Commission. USADA comes in and does a post facto exemption which is beyond overreach. He did not have it in place, and USADA did an exemption. So Bob Bennett is saying, okay, that's between you all. I don't, I, don't, I don't even know what you're doing here. This is my state, where he's at. It's my fighter who's fighting. I tested him, and I've got, and he's hot. And USADA stepped in and said, then you can take us to court, but you're a state agency, and we're federal. Wow. You better meet with your attorneys. We're going to fight you on this. And Bob backed down. Bob wow. did not do it. If that would have been tested, I believe that Nevada and Bob would have won. But I only bring that to you because what's the pushback going to be? I mean, it was pretty big. Bob Bennett, 17 years as an FBI agent, he's very respected. Travis Taggart, head of Musada, he's very respected. They called each other's integrity into question. Wow. This could have gotten really ugly really fast, but Bob backed down and Travis didn't. Ultimately, Travis won without a court fight. Yeah. I so Floyd, so Floyd, just to clear that up, did not, officially did not fail any test. Wow. Bob said he did, but Musada made it go away. Yeah, with, with this Connor and the exemption, his fan base is so rabid. And I think because we keep hearing this and we're talking about it and the rest of the MMA media is talking about it and Dana's talking about it and answering questions, I think people are, at this point are almost sick of it. Like, we just want to see him fight. I don't know how much blowback there's going to be. Maybe from other fighters, some, if, they're, you know, if they want to play that game, we'll see how that goes for them. But I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. I think we all just want to see him fight at this point. Yeah. Well, not to mention, not to mention the principle. Like, let's go back to an example. It'd be UFC 200. Think about Mark Hunt versus uh, Brock Lesnar. And Hunt was furious. I mean, it hurt his feelings. He thought that you know it was underhanded against him. He took him to court. That was very sincere by Mark Hunt. Mark Hunt did not like being in there with a dirty athlete. And in Mark's defense, he was perfectly clean. But I bring that to you because that's not what Chandler's going to say. He's going to say, I don't care. He's going to say yes. what you're saying, but I don't care. Whatever he's up, please get him in here. This yep. is my night. This is the one I dreamed of. This is the competition I want, but this is also the night of business I want. Bring him in here. And if the opponent's not complaining, man, it's pretty hard to get anybody else to listen. Agree. Uh, what interesting story about side note with Mark Hunt is my studio is in Calabasas and there's this, um, it's like a Whole Foods on steroids. 
and it's called Irwan. And I'm, I go to breakfast there every morning. They have like healthy juices, whatever. And I'm walking in and I hear, hey, bro. And I look over, it's Mark Hunt. He's there with his lawyers. He's there with his lawyers. And I go, what the hell are you doing in Calabasas, dude? He goes, I'm here for the, uh, for the court date with the UFC. He goes, we're flying to Vegas. We stopped here to meet with my lawyers and we're actually leaving from here going to Vegas. I go, that's still going on. He goes, you're damn right, man. He goes, you're damn right. And he's, I don't, I don't know where they're at on it now, but it's all, he's so upset, man. And when I say, dude, he is so mad and sure. he, you know, he wanted to come on the show um, and we're, we're going to figure it out. But I think there's, he has so, and I get it. I completely, I understand why he's so upset and he has so much resentment against the UFC and Dana and the stuff he says, and he has every right to feel that way. But I was hesitant to bring him on the show because I can't do a two hour show on you complaining about this. If that makes sure. sense. I, I don't know the ins and outs of it. Who's wrong. Who's right. The Brock Lesnar, you did take the fight, sign the contract. Clearly Brock's on shit, you know? So I don't, it's tough. You know, it's tough, and I felt bad, but it's just not what I do, and I, I love Mark Hunt, but, dude, I've never seen someone still – how long ago was that fight? You'll see 200 to this day. Yeah. This is a few months ago. Furious, man. Fur yelling. Yeah. Furious. Furious. Yeah, and he's sincere. I mean, and it's hurting him. It's costing him time. It's costing him money, but he, he just feels he's on the right side of this, and it is really tough. You know, who would be at fault for, uh, for Lesnar being dirty? It would seem Lesnar, but there's no mechanism where Lesnar – has to pay so he's choosing to put it on the ufc and i just think that it's a tough one i mean first off somebody's at fault every legal situation somebody's at fault but then was that fault egregious i think it's a really hard case i, I suppose that's not really for here nor there you shared something with me that it's still going on but it is interesting i'll tell you what some guys got put in that spot because what you're talking about brock is being dirty we all know he's dirty so if yes. you have to go fight him it's a, it's a tough thing brian stan got dealt a bad hand with that and i can't remember them all but i mean it was vandalay it was chael Sunday. like there was a few guys in his past <laughs> that gave him a hard time and they're like brian's looking around oh man is this all you're putting me with and you know poor luke rockholt you know luke rockholt gets kicked he's on a roll and and, and uh, trt vitor got him or even bisping well, i was gonna say bisping's you know? the best example bisping <laughs> jesus christ yeah. man that poor guy but i, yeah, I when you're talking about somebody that's mad and, and is legit to yeah man bisping's pissed yeah, hell yeah and he's every right with with uh with the whole mark hunt thing i actually talked to my lawyer about it it was just like what leg does he have to stand on he goes the issue is is he went into the fight complaining about this but he did sign the contract he's like so it's gonna be yep. tough because he did perform knowing what he was signing up for and did complete the contract and did compete against brock lesnar now if he would have held out said no i'm not doing it until you do the test whatever that's a different story but he did go through with the act so that's where it gets dicey i don't know i wish him luck I, you know, that's a tough hill to climb. Let's yeah. move on, brother. You were talking about, so I, I said on the show, I almost guarantee you're getting Hamzat versus Kamar Usman. And it's kind of getting a little smoke now. I guaranteed it. But you went out and said, you think we're going to get Izzy versus Hamzat. Well, and I got to tell you, uh, I actually ran that one back. I actually ran that back, Fred, and, and I appreciate that you're up to speed. But let me tell you what my math was when I did that, Okay. It was for sure Hamzat versus Paulo Costa. I got this from Hamzat. I got this from Paulo Costa. They're going to Fight Island. They're going to co-main event uh, with Islam on top of the bill, taking on Darush and Charles Oliveira, if those guys uh, even ever actually fight. Well, that's another conversation. So we know about it. I mean, it's five months in advance, and 
Yeah, you know, Hasmat's moving into 185, and Dana starts kind of talking about that. Okay, we got it. Those guys are going to fight. And out of nowhere, and this is all in the same night, what I'm about to tell you, this timeline. Out of nowhere, Paulo is going to fight a guy that just called out Bo Nickel. The guy is very good, but the only thing I know about him is he called out Bo Nickel. Yeah. Which means they broke up the Chamaya fight. Now, two hours later, there's a post-fight press conference, and Dana reveals they've got a new distribution partner in Australia. They're going to bring a show in August, and Adesanya is going to main event it. So I'm sitting back going, okay, Whitaker and Duplices are going to go and fight. And now you've got Paulo coming over here. The only guy available is Chemaya. Yeah. And I don't know that they want to put Chemaya in Izzy and Izzy's backyard, but it sure appears that they're getting ready to do just that. Then they book Strickland, and he's with somebody else. I mean, there's literally no players left on the board. Then the very next day, it gets revealed to us. The Kamara Usman is thinking about coming up. Now, Brendan, that's a problem, though, too, and I'll tell you why. If 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 Usman and Chamaya fight at 185, we don't even need to ask, is this a number one contender's fight? We will all know it. You and I will come on and we will tell our audience, as soon as we see that fight's happening, we'll tell our audiences, okay, the winner here is going to be fighting for the belt. We would just know that. The problem is Usman is not going to fight Izzy. And this isn't like, you know, two buddies or two friends. This is much deeper. This is countrymen with a pride. I mean, th this is probably the greatest excuse for two guys not competing that we've ever heard. I, I don't think anybody wants to get in the way of that. So we then get revealed again by Dana that Kumar does want to do the fight. He's dead serious. He's lobbying for it, but he wants it at a catch weight. Now, the only reason Kamara wants it as a catch weight is he doesn't want to become the number one contender because he doesn't want to go and fight Adesanya. So I think that puts Dana in a little bit of a hard spot of, man, th that sure seems like the fight to make, but I can't make it if you're not willing to move yeah. on. I need some, all of you guys, all of you are uh, interchangeable mediocrities. I need somebody to fight him, my champion, who actually is a big draw. I mean, it's just one of those spots. So I don't know how bullish I am. I don't know how bullish I am that I really think it's going to be Chimaev and Adesanya. At the same time, I don't know anybody else to fight Adesanya. And I know as much as they want to do Duplices, they put Duplices with Whitaker, which is not much of a contest. That's going to be fun and fun hype. Whitaker is going to whip him. Agree. And nobody wants to see Bobby Knuckles in Adesanya part three. We didn't want to see the second one. <laughs> yeah. You, have to, you, you make some valid points. The, the, yeah, the, the biggest point is, is when, if you look at that, what top six, they're all matched up. There's literally nobody for Izzy to fight, and they guarantee him that fight in Australia. Um, and, and would they bypass the Camaro uh, uh, Hamzat fight and give Hamzat a straight title shot at 85, even though he's never competed there? That's a little weird. But it, it also puts Dana in a tough spot because he's like, all right, we already announced he's fighting Australia. We signed this big new deal. We got to get a juicy main event. Duplices, that's not happening, right? Because he's fighting Whitaker. Um, so yeah, so all signs yeah. would point that it's Hamzat, huh? Or a lot of or does or does uh nah, this is ridiculous. Now we're getting the weeds. I was gonna say, did they say it's at middleweight? Could Izzy go up to light heavyweight? Is it Jamal Hill a possibility? Yeah, sure. Sure. And you got to understand what master they're trying to serve. And th this will always be denied. This will be denied till the end of time. But you and I are smart enough to know 
when you get paid and you get asked to come into an organization or come into a territory, you're probably also going to get an ask of who the main event is. Look, the deal is worth this to us if you can guarantee him in the spot. Correct. So, and I only say it because, you know, that will always be denied, but it is very relevant. And, and if they did that, and it sounds like they did, and it's with Adesanya, which it sounds like it is, who, by the way, when he fought Bobby Knuckles the first time, did 57,000 live in attendance, the all-time MMA gate, record. Yeah. So if you're yep. bringing him back and this is who you want, then that would be paramount. Finding the opponent for him, if you got to go up to 205, whatever you have to do, it would be paramount that, that you had him. And if you just had to grab Chemayev or, you know, there's a few different ways to do it, but I, I don't think a co-main event or or even a headline of of a smaller show between Chemayev and, and Kamar Usman, as, as fun as that would be for you and me, the world's not no, dying to see that. Not good I don't think that that's going to win out over a contract that you just signed with your new partners and they asked you for Adesanya and you said you could deliver him. That's a great point. Yeah, I'm leaning towards you now, my man. The, the other part yeah. is, the other part to the equation is, after you sign this new deal, is he's uh, arguably the the face of the UFC. You know, Connor's been out for a while, so I'd say Izzy's the biggest name now, him or John, right? So if you're going to invest in the Australian market, Izzy versus Hamzat's a tough matchup for Izzy, man. Yeah. Stylistically. Well, how fun is it? You know, oh. how fun is that? This grappler, it's, it's kind of one of those... It's kind of one of those things, but but if above everything else, your partner they they want this guy on top of the bill. I mean, you just, you, you got to do it at, at some point. Uh, Kane, Kane did that when he dropped the strap to JDS on Fox. It was requested. The whole reason that that Islam is sitting out and waiting for Fight Island is one of those things. This is the guy that we want. This is the heir apparent to Khabib, who is our hero. Bring him out here. Maybe Khabib will corner him. It's one of those things, and that's okay. That's that's their business. But it's also something that we need to observe if we're if we're sitting here we're trying to make our guesses and hedge our bets it's important that we we do understand it appears a guarantee of izzy on top of the bill has been made uh, i'm 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 siding more with you because now you think about it the the hamza kamaro fight what's that really do let's say it was announced it was at 70 maybe they're they're talking about me at 70. Well, we, we know Kamaru probably not, doesn't have much left in the tank as far as fights at 70. Probably doesn't have enough that much in the tank in general, whether it's at 85 or 70. Hamzat, we know his home isn't going to be at 70 for much longer. 70 is a nightmare for him. 85 would make more sense. I would say all signs are pointing. You're right, my man. Yeah. I mean, I mean that, that, it does really sound that way. And no Duplices and Whitaker are of the mind that they're in a similar spot uh, that we've got Benny Darush and Oliver in, which is they're going to fight and the champion's waiting for you. So you guys go get this settled and then the champion's waiting for you. I know they're of that mind and I think Duplices could be correct if if Duplices is to win, but it's going to depend how that looks, how quick can you turn around. I mean, that's not a whole lot of time. We're going to do that fight and get them ready and do a presser all by August. August is right around the corner. Chance. So it, it's just an interesting spot. You know, we'll see what happens. I'm hearing strong rumors that the the Stipe and Jones is going to go up in flames and that Sergi Pavlich versus Jones is happening in August. Uh, I'm hearing strong rumors on that. It's strong what? enough that I can tell you that's at least being pursued. I don't know where they are in a green, but that's at least being pursued. And if you did have partners in Australia, you promised them Izzy and you said, look, I can't deliver, but I can bring you Jones and Pavlich. Are we good? They'd probably say, yeah, we're good. What? Now, and so you know what, Brendan? Go ahead. I have, if you, if you don't mind me, I have to give John Jones credit for i really do and that pains me i gotta give him credit here because 
People have said he was going to fight Stipe and then he's going to retire. It's like, well, hold on, people. Let me remind you of one thing. When you talk about the mindset, you talk like John Jones doesn't have the courage. Let me just remind you, to be fair, he thought he was fighting Francis. He agreed to fight Stipe and he ended up in there with Surreal. So when he had Surreal, which is a pretty favorable matchup, he had agreed to Francis and he had agreed to Stipe. John Jones isn't going anywhere. And if the Stipe goes up in smoke, he's already set off fight the next best thing. You decide who it is. Oh, you've decided it's Sergi? Then it's Sergi. That's Jones's real attitude and not for nothing. He deserves he deserves badass. for people to know that. Badass. And also He's a badass. Bad, he's a dude, badass. Badass. Straight up. That, that, Straight up. Yeah, because uh, Pavlovich is a nightmare. Not dude, when I watch him against Curtis Blades, and Curtis Blades, my boy, trains my old team. He demolished him, dude. And I'm like, and you look at it, he's this giant dude, not a not not fat. Hits like a Mack truck. What's it? Six knockouts in a row. And it's not a it's a tough night in the office for anybody, including John Jones. Not a big name. Probably not gonna do great pay-per-view numbers. John's gonna have to carry the card. So for John, when people are like, Oh, would you fight Pavlich? When they ask him, he's like, it doesn't make sense. And he's right. As far as the business, that makes sense. As far as his legacy, it makes sense. But sure. when you go back, back to your point that you know you're hearing strong rumors that the the Stipe John Jones fights going up in uh, flames, that has to be a Stipe issue, right? Nobody yeah. wants to talk about that. This has to be a. I, I would assume why this fight hasn't happened is a Stipe issue. Is that fair to say? Yes. Yes. Hey, you say no one wants to talk about it. I I'm included in that. When I did that whole diatribe, I left that. And I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. I talked to Stipe's wife. She and I are pen pals. I haven't reached out to her in a period of time. But I do need to remind you of this. Stipe lost the belt to Francis. The night Stipe lost the belt, he weighed in at 233 pounds. It was the second lowest he's ever weighed in. He was 231 for the second DC fight. He weighed in at 233 pounds. So he thought, Stipe, that he was going to be rematching for the title, Francis, a true trilogy fight. He had every reason to believe that. But he went out and he put on this. He did exactly what John Jones did. He got on the protein. He got on the lifting. He did everything. He got to 257. Oof. All my 257, his wife said, of, of muscle. She cooked for him. He, he did it. Stipe Miocic at 257 pounds. Th that, this is a wildly different Stipe. You are going to have my interest if it's against Francis or if it's against Jones. That's also a dedication. To change his physiology was a massive dedication. So what is delaying him? I don't know. Stipe was asked to do this in December. It didn't happen. He was told he could have it in March 4th and, and fought for it. He didn't get it. It went to Surreal. He came out on social media, made it very clear that he's going to get it. It's going to be uh, International Fight Weekend in July. Dana comes out and says, we're moving it all the way to November, which is, it would just seem as though, even if there was something wrong that we don't know about. Yeah. That's plenty of time. Agreed. So yes, what whatever's delaying this, I don't know, but it is on his side. That's true. It it alarms me when I hear a guy puts on that much weight. John a little different, and we don't know how John looks at heavyweight. We really that Cyril Gon fight, we learned nothing. He 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 beat he bully beat down that guy. Went up, not even a great technical choke, just a bully fucking front choke gets him out of. There. I don't know how John looks. I we don't know. When I hear Francis or when I heard Stipe put on all that weight. Just when I think about myself, if I put on that weight, you're talking about a completely different movement, slower. You know, Stipe is known for his cardio. That probably goes out the window a little bit. I, You know, maybe he put on that weight and was like, his team's looking at him, you know, in training like, this isn't good, man. This ain't good right. enough to be John. You're slower. The cardio's not there. We rely on cardio and the pressure, but all this weight doesn't allow that. I don't, I'm just, I have no clue. 
but yep. it's it, it's concerning. It's definitely yep. concerning. And I don't know either. It, it's hard to relate to. I don't know what his finances are. I mean, like he's got no gambling or drug problem or a bunch of kids or multiple eyes. I mean, he doesn't. He was heavyweight champion for a while. I would assume he stacked up quite a bit of money. And, and I only bring that because if that's not the key driver and motivation, then they would defer to some of the things that you're saying. They would defer to how are you going to look and what's the legacy yep. and is this worth it? I am very strong of the mind. If they can't get this fight together one more time, if they're trying for November or December that's being rumored, if they're trying, if, if that falls apart, they will never revisit that. And if Sergi comes in and upsets John Jones, just by example, they're not going to bring Stipe in to fight Sergi. I, I think that if he doesn't go through with the Jones fight, I think we can interpret that as a retirement. Yep. And it would seem as though Stipe has been retired for a period of time. We get tweets here and there, and we're told that he's the top contender, and we're told he might even headline Madison Square Garden. But the rest of it, is kind of rumor. We don't see much of him. We don't hear much of him. He's a very honest guy. Maybe that's why he hasn't made any kind of commitments because he doesn't want to follow through. I don't know what the backstory is there. I know that he was offered in December, offered it in March, begged for it on social media in July, and is now saying, I don't know if I'm going to show up in November. That's that is, all accurate. Yeah, you blew my mind, man. Yeah, that, that's insane. And again, we all love Stipe. So, yes, the elephant in the room, like this seems like it's a Stipe problem. And I, I'm not saying, maybe it's not even a problem. Maybe he's like, I just don't want to do it. I don't feel good at this yep. heavy. I don't want to do it. You know? It, yep. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a really tough one. When he says I can do it in July, but I don't know if I can do it in November. I mean, it's a tough one because then we're left to guess. Oh, he doesn't feel well. Oh, he's sick. Oh, he's, you know, Injuries, uh, family yeah. members getting married. I, mean, I don't know what it would be. But, you know, when they move it that direction, it makes it tough. Look, Aljo just went through this two days ago. Aljo comes. Aljo is very funny. <laughs> Aljo is way better than we knew. By the way, I mean, come on. He took out the maybe the greatest combat athlete ever in Triple C. Aljo comes out. He says, I don't know if I'm going to fight Nomali in August. You know, my biceps bugging me. I, I got to get it worked on. I don't know if I'll fight him in August. Then Aljo gets all worked up and takes to social media and calls him out for a July day. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of where Hunter's like, dude, come on. I got to use your own. You said you'd be ready for July. I'm giving you more time. Yep. This fight is on. And Aljo's like, yeah, okay, you got me. You got me. Yeah, and I, I love it. I love it. He tells Sugar, let's do this. In, let's see if you're about that life. Let's do it in July. And, uh, <laughs> and Sugar goes, I'm not. I'll see you in August. <laughs> it, with, with the whole Aljo thing, um, it's weird the disrespect that he gets. I get how some people with the Peter Yan, the way he got the belt, right, and the legal knee and stuff like that. But at a certain point, you got to give this guy his flowers, man. You're talking about a complete badass. And when you look at the Sugar uh, Sean fight, after beating Henry Cejudo and then doing what he did to TJ, again, he gets flack with the TJ fight. It's not his fault TJ had one shoulder. That has nothing to do with Aljo. But again, Aljo gets all the hate for that. He beats Henry Cejudo, gets booed in New Jersey. It's, I don't know what he has to do to win this these people over. If you beat Sugar Sean, then you go, yeah, but he's just a striker. And then, you know, then you have Marab there. He refused to fight Marab. He's going to go up to 45 before he fights Marab. So I don't know what's going to take to get the fan base behind Aljo. And it's a shame, man. And the, the situation that you just laid out runs parallel to Haney and Lomo. And let me tell you why. The general belief is that Lomo was the victim of a bad decision. So people are saying the only way that Haney can correct this is to give Lomo the rematch. Do the right thing. Lomo can take it from there. He'll get his belt back. But then we can at least look at Haney as somebody that did the right thing. Hold on. Because that's what they told Aljo. Aljo, we've only got a couple of rules, right? I mean, the, the, the night that Yon and Aljo part one. 
that really didn't set well with me. I mean, that was the cover-up of the year, even though it took place in February. We've only got a couple of rules. Don't bite the guy. Don't poke him in the eyes. And don't kick the son bitch when he's down. Yep. He gets he gets kneed in the head when he's down. The referee has one remedy to that, which is the disqualification. And unlike the WWE, the belt can change hands with a disqualification. Like, everything was done correctly there. So they said, you got to rematch him. So he says, okay, I'll do it. And this is, this is, okay, I'll do it. He goes out and rematches him. He dominates the first three rounds. He throws away the next two. He leaves with his belt, but they didn't forgive him. They said, if you do this rematch, we will forgive you. They didn't forgive him. They didn't forgive him to the point that they had to bring a guy out of retirement because they knew he can't beat this guy. He's good, but he can't beat Henry. And that was the general belief. Yep. And even at DraftKings, he, he was a two to one dog against Henry. And I, I just bring to you, he's better than we knew that he was. And, you know, I don't want him to get pulled into something trying to appease fans. That's what they're, they're trying to do with Haney and Lomo, but yep. that already happened with Sterling. He did yawn twice, and the crowd still didn't forgive him. Yeah, I think with Aljo, I don't know I don't know what it's going to take this poor guy. And he, I'm sure you've talked to him. He's a great kid, man. Great kid. Uh, to your point, he's better than we thought. With the with the sugar Sean, you know the the odds are on his side. So he, if he does get that done, then he's probably gonna go to one forty five because he he him and Marab refuse to fight each other. At forty five, you know, I guess if he beats Volkanovski, people will start giving him his credit. I guess that's what's gonna take. Because look at Volkanovski. To your point, Volkanovski. How long did it take for us to give him his flowers? I know I keep saying flowers on this podcast, but it is what it is. How long did it take to give Volkanovski his flowers after the Max Holloway? It took three Max Holloway fights where he went, okay, this guy's pretty good. That's how much we love Max Holloway. Sure. And he beat him three times. It took yep. three times to finally the last one that went, all right, he beat him. And, you know, and then what he did against Machev, amazing, amazing job. And that's very common. I, I do this as a fan, too. I see something, and I almost can't accept what I saw. Uh, Bellator just had uh, their, uh, Johnny at 185 takes out Gegard Mousasi. I chalked that up to Gegard had a terrible night, and Johnny had a great night. Uh, Johnny Eblen. I really didn't know that Eblen was as good as it turns out so that he good. is. It's one of those things you've got to be reminded of, right? Success is something we as people, we need to be reminded of it very often. And... I, I just, I, I only bring that to you because sometimes you go out, you clean somebody up and you don't get the credit. It looks like you went out and you got caught. Uh, Rose did that. Rose knocks out Joanna. So we go, well, let's rematch him. She obviously caught her and goes and beats her again. So then we do it to Rose a second time. She goes out and beats Wei Lee. There was nothing about Rose versus Wei Lee part one that called for a rematch. There was nothing controversial mm -hmm. and there was nothing competitive. We rematched him. Oh, by the way, Wei Lee was the favorite again because we just dismissed it. Rose has to go out and beat her a second time. I only bring that because it is very common. When you see something that, that it looks so easy, it looks like it went through them so smooth, you almost chalk it up to you when you had a good night and they had a bad night instead of I'm witnessing greatness. Agree. Uh, and for whatever reason, I'm that way with Charles Oliveira. I don't know what's going to take, man. I just, sure. I always pick against him for whatever reason. I'm, I don't know what, what's going to take to to get me over. Not that he needs me as a fan, but I just, I always pick against him for some freaking reason, man. Every fight. Sure. I don't know what it hey, is. And him, him and Benny is very interesting. You know, they're talking about rematching this one. Now they're going to do it in Salt Lake. But I want to bring one thing to your attention, which is unless you're a title fighter or main event, by policy, you're not a five-round fight. Now, I realize that uh, Blahal Mohammed and Gilbert Burns just broke that rule. I don't like that. I wish they wouldn't have broken that. But I will share with you, Oliveira and Benny has been booked twice. This is now the third time. The first two times they were booked was a main event, which means it was scheduled for five rounds. Now it's going to be brought down to three. 
And that's a very different fight. When you are Benny DeRouge and you're one of the few guys who can weaponize pace, yes. you can put something on a guy that most people with Wilton just can't hold up. It's very different when Charles only has to hold up for 15 minutes. I just bring that to you because it's a different fight. I don't like that about our sport, by the way. I mean, I think it should all be the same. Like uh, the Super Bowl isn't isn't five quarters because it's the Super Bowl or something like that. You know, it's this is how you play the game. A hundred meter race. We don't run 103 meters yeah. because it's for the the championship. I just don't like it. Do them all five or do them all three. I, I don't like the ch and that's not the hill that I want to die on. But I thought <laughs> I'd bring it to you. I don't like it. Uh, I'm with you. Some certain fights when they when it is only three rounds. I'm like God, I wish I had two more. So we get a clear winner. So I'd be on the side of making them all five, but some of those prelims are me long, man. And I have to sure. watch all that shit. So I'll <laughs> just keep it at three, you know, um, can you convince me why? Cause you know, the, the media and the public are kind of opposed to this. Can you convince the, the listeners why your boy Kobe Covington, who we both love and admire, why he deserves this title shot? When you, yes. when you look at the resumes and you look at the other competition with Muhammad, who probably deserves it, you know, on paper a little more, you look at his strength of schedule and you look at Kobe Compton, who's fallen on maybe some hard times there. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I got to start with this. Blahal definitely deserves it. Blahal Muhammad has done enough. I think that Blahal needs to play up a little bit more. The fact that I'm the one that stopped Leon's win streak. He doesn't have to say he beat him. He didn't beat him, <laughs> but he did stop the win streak. I think that that was a really good angle that he could have done. By the way, Leon didn't want Colby. He wanted to fight Lahal, but Leon's problem is he said, no, I'm not going to fight Colby. He's not going to fight Colby. I'm not going to fight. He didn't go after Lahal, and he should have. He should have said, this is the guy that stopped my win streak, and he started because he cheated, and he poked me in the eye. Yep. I haven't forgotten that eye poke, or vice versa, however that ended. I'm just saying they could have really played into that more, Sell and the they fight. did it, and it was yeah. a miss. Mm -hmm. He had Leon on his side. If you're ever going to turn an idea down, you've got to offer a suggestion. I follow politics very close, and the most annoying politicians are the one that say no to someone else's idea. If you're going to say no, offer a suggestion. Mm -hmm. When they don't do that, it hurts, and that's what happened with Leon. Now, as far as head-to-head, -head, Colby uh, versus Mohammed, rankings do matter, and rankings aren't fair. They're, they're really not, but the rankings committee has put Colby in front of Mohammed, and Ultimately, that is going to matter. And when you have Kobe, I mean, Kobe was an interim champion. He never lost and one day woke up and wasn't interim champion. Like, this isn't a riddle. That happened to him. Yep. Kobe fought and defeated the BMF champion, but there was never a day that Kobe woke up and he was the BMF champion. And I'll also remind you, when Leon went and got a fight Kamara, which he definitely earned, but when he did that, he leapfrogged Kobe. Kobe was ranked in front of Leon, mm. but we all understood Kobe's done this twice. He's come up short. We, we, we got to go to someone else. So there was a, an argument that was made right after that fight was done that Colby flew out. He was, you know, last minute and he weighed in as the ultimate fighter and, and Joe Rogan said his name on camera and therefore he's the guy. And it's like, no, that's never been the argument. The ar he's always been ranked in front. He's been the clearest number one contender in our sport. He can't fight for the belt because he already did twice. It's a really unique situation, but here you are. And I, I mean, I do think like if, if Volkanovsky left the weight class, just by example, he leaves or it gets beat, obviously Max is going to go in. He showed a gap between himself and everybody else. Uh, I do think that Colby's the right move. I do. And I think that Blaha Mohammed definitely has done everything right to, to, to get in there as well. Sometimes there's more than one right idea. Yeah, I think there's definitely more than one right idea. And I also think UFC, again, as a business is going Leon's not the biggest pay-per-view star. This can be a big pay-per-view for us. I assume they do it maybe in England, wherever they're going to do it, even if they do it here. But they're looking at going, 
if Kobe's champ, we know Kobe, we know the analytics. Kobe brings a fan base. Kobe brings even the haters, but people are paying to watch this guy fight. That's who we need as our champion. Because if because Kobe um, Muhammad, unfortunately, probably doesn't do great. So the UFC as a business is going. No, Kobe, if he becomes champ, which matches up pretty well against Leon Edwards, and then we do Muhammad. Muhammad's going to get his, which is going to take a little longer because we can make money off Kobe being champion. We can't make money off Leon Edwards and Muhammad. We put those two together, it it just doesn't. Now, is it the right thing to do? Probably not. But still, Kobe is the guy that can get eyeballs on those fights, and that's why they're doing it, I think. And Brendan, think about how hard this would be. And by the way, Colby and Masvidal were both gone for a meaningful period. I don't know if that, whatever they have going, I don't even know what to call that. Whatever that is, I don't know if that's precluded them from fighting. I mean, we, we really haven't heard from either one till just now. That, that That's a side thought. Um, I want to tell you this. So imagine being Dana White. So you give Leon the opportunity. He doesn't have a huge fan base. He's not a huge main eventer. He's not a big drop, but you're going to give him the opportunity. He throws the head kick hurt around the world. Now you're going to go to a true trilogy and you're going to wait. You're going to book a venue in his backyard so he can come in and have that 50, that dream that everybody has. He gets to be the huge star in front of everybody. You do it. Oh, by the way, you give him a million dollars and he goes out and wins. Now you've done all these things for this guy. You change this guy's life. And the first time you ask him for something, he tells you no. <laughs> that night at the press conference, 40 minutes after you made this guy a multimillionaire in an arena that you booked just to make him, you say, I want you to fight Colby. And he tells you no. <sighs> I'm just saying, imagine that. Because that's Dana's life every single day, man. These guys, they get in a position and they turn the gun back on the company. And I would have to think that's very frustrating. Yeah, very frustrating. And uh, it also is probably not the way to do it either. You know, it, it, we've seen this when Woodley, Aljo, I wouldn't put him in that category yet. He's getting there. I also think these guys need to realize it really doesn't work like that. I don't know how long it's going to take people to realize that. Because even, even with Aljo, when Dana announced the fight and Aljo, Ray Longo and Aljo came out and goes, we didn't agree to the fight. It's like, you don't understand. That's when the fight's happening. It is. That's when the fight is happening. We announced it's happening in what they say, August in Boston, Sugar Sean and Aljo. That's we made the announcement. That's when you are fighting. So for these guys, you know, no, I never agreed to that. You, but you did now, you know, with Leon, it's like, no, Dana said Kobe is next. That is what is happening, dude. To your point. Sure. Now, if you have something else, you can pitch us and we can roll with it. Even, even if he did the whole, you know, he stopped my losing streak. The UFC is looking at it and go, no, we, we need to get Kobe in there. That's who you're fighting. That's what's happening, fellas. You don't really have a say in it. it until you get to that level of Connor, you've put enough you know, hours I being a champion, you really don't have that leverage. You just don't. That's the game. And, and deals get made, Brendan. Like, I, don't, I don't know that this is what happened, but just to, to give you a scenario, Masvidal was the second biggest star in the whole sport. I mean, just right Massive. underneath Connor. And for reasons unknown, they thought it was a good idea to put him in a five-round main event against Colby, which was going to be his kryptonite. However, this is what they did. And Masvidal made tons and tons of money. So Colby's looking at going, guys, I'm doing the media. I'm doing the press. I'm going to do half of this work. And by the way, I'm going to win. It's making four times what I'm making. They go, Colby, just go through with it. If you win here, you get the title fight. You win the title fight, you're back on pay-per-view points, right? It's one of these things. And so you've got to honor some of those things. You might remember Lorenzo personally told Gustafson, fight Rumble Johnson, What? no matter what happens, you will fight for the belt next. Now, Lorenzo thought he was going to win, but he still told him, you fight 
Johnson, whatever happens, you'll fight for the belt. Johnson knocked him out in the first round. Gustafson, they woke him up and put him in there for a title fight just because they honored those two. Well, you know, but it's one of those things where if you are around long enough, kind of like you and me, you start to see this. And when something doesn't quite right, it's like, okay, but this was his, he got something. Down the road, you kind of like the flags in football. I'll ask for something. And, you know, they're really good. I mean, the UFC does a great job of of do say. They will do whatever they say. And I think that maybe there could be something like that with the Colby uh, situation that goes back five, six, eight months even. I think there could have been a deal made and Agreed. they're falling through. I, I think even with the deal, and you know, you'd know better than me, and I, I don't want to get in the weeds too much here, but even with his lawsuit and you know, do, pursuing legal charges against Masvidal, that just all went away. And I, you know, I, I do think the UFC is going, all right, Colby, if you go through with this, we can't fight Masvidal, which we want to do back then. You're not fighting until this all clears up. Get rid of that stuff. You get a title shot. Guaranteed title shot. Sure. sure. Who wouldn't do it? Yeah, I think that's part of it, too. I think that they did step in and try to do that. Hey, listen, we're seeing that right now. I think the whole world knows about it, but it wasn't big news, which surprised me. And that is Islam Mankalchev gets called out by Dan Hooker because of a nurse that happens to be uh, in Perth that says, I came to the room and I IV'd Mankalchev. Well, that is grossly against the rules. Now, there's no violation of a rule if there isn't a challenge, right? You can roll right through a stop sign and not stop. If the cop doesn't ticket you, you're never going to have to answer for it. It's one of these situations. So what do you do? What do you do when Perth has its own commission? That would be outside of USADA. What do you do if you have a nurse who's licensed making a statement? What do you do if you are a team being challenged to prove this by the hometown guy? Well, you're going to have to lawyer up. You're going to have to come back to Perth. You're going to be tied up in knee deep in red tape for a period of time. And it's not really a question of did he do it or not. He's he's half naked the next day on TV. We can zoom in and see yes. that it was done. Or you can be the organization and step in and say, please don't file that. Please don't even talk about this in exchange. Beat Rodriguez, I'll do the rematch. Are we good? Yeah, we're good. And they get up and walk out of the room. So to your point, could have that happened with Colby and George? Yeah, sure it could. And I don't think that it would be wrong. I, I wish that somebody would step in. I really don't like those two guys fighting. I, I really don't. They used to be good friends. Masvidal helped Colby a lot early Agreed. on. I, and I know that got paid back, but I wish that they got along. I'll tell you that. I, I think with the Makachev and the IV thing, the, only, the thing that got kind of swept under the rug pr pretty quickly there too. I think Ali came on and said said no, you can actually you have there's an exemption where guys can get IVs, which was news to me. Yes, well, I I know that I know that he said that. If you go and read the rule, I think you'll come to a, a different opinion. One thing that I don't know that Ali knew, and one thing that I'm not sure anyone knew, Usada didn't have full authority. They had oversight. Mm. But you then also have to go by that of the commission. And it's not whichever is looser, it's whichever is tighter. And the commission in Australia very explicitly talks about rehydration. You cannot, for rehydration between the weigh-in and the fight, do an IV. And they list, and they really cover their bases very well there. Um, so, what, so, so, what's, so what leg does Ali have to stand on? Because also, to your point too with USADA, that's United States anti-doping. Yep. Not Australia. Yeah, and they would still have authority. They would still have authority, much like the Olympic Games. They could go overseas. They would still have authority. But um, uh, in the United States part, just means that they, they work on funds uh, d directed by our United States Senate. But but I would just tell you, when Ali made the statement, this is my guess. I didn't ask Ali. But my guess is he looked at the USADA rule and decided that was okay. My guess is he did not know that.
that there is then an Australian rule. Now, this got enacted just to bring the UFC there. You might remember the night. It's supposed to be Kelvin Gaslam versus Izzy. It ended up being Izzy versus Anderson. Great night. Just to have that there, they formed this entire commission, and that commission is more stringent than USADA on this issue, and we always default to the more stringent, not the less. Mm. So I don't think that Ali knew that that existed. And USADA does have a problem. They will let you IV, just not very much. What they don't say is how often you can do that. So if I can do 10 cc, why don't I do 10 cc's, take it out of my arm, put it in the other arm and do 10, okay. take it out, put it back in this yeah. arm. Like per the rule, you could get cutesy and do that. It's just that one setting can only be a, a certain amount. And that's the flush EPO. I mean, Lance Arms, USADA taught the world how to beat them. Nobody really understood the way to get EPO growth uh, through your system is to IV it and flush it with an IV. We learned that when they banned the IV. So, you know, USADA taught people how to beat them. Damn it. That's so interesting, man. <clears throat> I, and I, I didn't think about that. I forgot about that. It completely and went away. that was away. the Lance Armstrong method. Yeah. Yeah, that's all that Lance did. Nobody could figure out how Lance was beating it. Even the fellow cyclists, like, man, how are you doing? I see you. They test you all the time. Well, his answer was he flushed it with an IV. He, he was kind of the first to the party to realize that. You can get the effects and the benefits long after it's out of your system. And that was the big issue with the picogram, by the way. Like, you know, they tried to say a picogram wasn't enough to cheat. And that might be one way to look at it, but that's not the way it ever should have been framed. It's not a picogram in your system. It's a picogram left in your system. That is that is a completely different conversation, which they know, just why they went in the other direction. I, I just bring that to you that, you know, those rules can be looked at, looked at pretty close. Or you can make a quick deal. Tell them to beat Rodriguez. Tell yes. them we'll do this down the road. Which is easier for everybody. Sure. And then also with the John Jones thing, didn't he get exonerated? Did, was it uh, that uh, high, didn't Bo Hightower someone said in the current rules and regulations that John Jones wouldn't have tested hot under the current testing? That's right. They, they came out and said that. Now, now of course, uh, don't forget he had a cocaine charge in there, but they don't test for street jugs. So when John flagged hot for cocaine, he actually was not in violation. He took a PR hit but he wasn't actually in violation through the sport. Like his license was never in jeopardy. And uh, yeah, he did come out and say, and I didn't go back to see how true that was. He did come out and say, though, he would have been exonerated under the current rules. I mean, I, I, you know, I guess that works, you know, but because <laughs> yeah. at the time those weren't the rules, but yeah, that works for me. Uh, Chell, dude, you're my, you're my favorite person to talk to, man. You know this brother. I appreciate I love the you, time. buddy. Hey, can I tell you something? Because I, I feel like you're giving me the boot. I got to tell you, this was awesome. Thank you, <laughs> Brendan. And I, you know what? Brian Callen treated me so nicely in Portland. And that's because of you. That's because he respects you and our relationship. He treated me so nicely. Brought my whole family in. I brought, you know, I had five or six people, which kind of a scumbag move. He's offering me tickets. <laughs> off the of the car, but I couldn't turn it down. He brings us in. He treats us great. Then he brings us in the back into his green room. Talks to us, was nice to everybody. Spent some time with Brittany's dad one-on-one. -on -one. It was it was just a cool move, and it's because of you. So oh, thank you. Of course. You. you know I love the hell out of you, man. Uh, I saw you on I'll, – I'll leave you on this. You're on Instagram uh, benching. You're saying doing the incline press. Yes. You look in shape, my man. I'm looking at Chelsea right now. You look pretty shredded there. Any what, What's going on here, man? It's just – you just want to be healthy. I, what's going on here? Goes back to John Jones. John Jones <laughs> said that no one should listen to me. He said, that guy has boobs. Now, I'm not saying that's an accusation, okay? It was more of a 
observation. But either way, I didn't like it. Hey, I got HCG going through these veins, and I'm working on that bench every day. These boobies are going away. And that's incline. Be pectorals before you know it. And that's incline, Daddy. Get through, get rid of those tits, bro. And and I'll tell you what. Fat shaming works, man. I get it online all the time. Your boy's in shape, man. Fat shaming works. It does work. All right, brother. I appreciate you talking, yeah, Brendan. You look great, man. Thank you for this.